Natasha. Merry Christmas, everyone. If you are a guest with us, welcome. My name is Alex. I'm the pastor of Cascades, and we're glad that you could join us for Christmas Eve. Um, I was really impressed with the kids. Why don't we give the kids a round of applause just one more time? One of the things that really struck me was how uh, quiet they were. I was like, how do we get this at home? Some, I did hear some of you singing your right, especially do, 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 do. So uh, I thought you guys did great. Thank you for practicing, each one of you. I know some of you listened to it in the car on the way here twice, and it's impressive. Well done. We're here because it's Christmas Eve, and one of the things that is worth asking, and at some point in our life we will probably ask, is what's such a big deal about Christmas? What makes it so important? That's the question that I had my kids and their cousins answer this week. Do you guys want to know what they said? doesn't matter if you want to know. You're going you're gonna to hear it. Uh, so here's, here's the script for one of their conversations. Joel says, why do you guys think Christmas is important? Axel, because Jesus was born on this day. Luke, what about you? About Jesus being born? Joel says, anything else? Luke says, nope. Axel says, and the angels. Pretty close, right? It's pretty accurate. Here's another one. Lindsay says to them, to the, my boys, why is Christmas so important? Isaiah, because Jesus is born. Why are we celebrating Christmas, says Lindsay. Evan says, because God was born. Lindsay says, who was born? Evan says, Jesus. Lindsay says, why was he born? Evan says, because it so helps us. Isaiah says, to save our sins. See, what's really beautiful about children is that they have a way of cutting through the fluff. There's a lot of really great fluff about Christmas. Things that we all love. Some of us love the music. Some of us have go-to albums or playlists that we go through every season. Some of us have food that we just look forward to. It might be home cooking. It might be someone else's cooking or your own. Some of us have songs like that one that we just want to hear. Again, it's that good. (laughs) And uh, for others of us, it might be you know, gatherings, Christmas gatherings, work parties, whatever it might be, the time off that we get, the weather and how sometimes we get snow. We don't get it this year. There's tons of different things, but what's so beautiful about kids is they don't really pull punches. They just tell you how it is, for better or for worse. And one of the things that these children, the questions they answered is they somehow captured this idea that, yeah, we, we celebrate Christmas because... Jesus was born because God became one of us. They point us back to this first Christmas story, the story of Jesus' birth. There is this author, some of you may know of her. Her name is Dorothy L. Sayers. She was a well-known crime novelist and dramatist in the 1920s through the early 40s. And she was one of the first women to graduate from Oxford College. In the 1920s, she began to write what became known as these series of detective novels featuring this amateur investigator named Lord Peter Whimsey. The books were popular, and they contributed to what's been called the golden age of detective fiction. Now, partway through that series, 
Sayers, she introduced a character named Harriet Vane. And Harriet was noticeable because she became a love interest of Lord Peter Whimsey. And she eventually married him in the novels. But what's interesting is that some uh, readers and critics and even friends believed, believed that Sayers modeled Harriet after herself. That Harriet was this mystery writer in the story, and like Sayers, she had studied at Oxford. In fact, Harriet's education in romantic life actually paralleled a lot of Dorothy Sayers' life. In other words, it seems like Sayers wrote herself into her own story. She saw Lord Peter Whimsey and decided to write herself into the story in a sense. And I want to suggest, and it's been suggested by others, that this is what God does at Christmas. That God wrote himself into history through the birth of Jesus. That God writes himself into the story he has been writing since the foundation of the universe. And that the way God does this is by becoming human in Jesus Christ. Now, a few years later, in 1941, Sayers wrote a drama focused on the life of Jesus called The Man Born to Become King. Born to be King. And it was produced and broadcasted by the BBC. Now, this drama was controversial for a few reasons at the time. One, atheists were upset because they felt like publicly funded money and publicly funded radio shouldn't be going to producing and broadcasting what they saw as Christian propaganda. But there were Christians who took issue with it as well. They felt that an actor should not portray Jesus. They actually thought that that would, for some, they felt like it could be like blasphemous. Lacking a proper reverence due to Jesus. Now, this is 1940, so some of us hear that and it's like, that's really strange. Now, we wouldn't think like that. You're watching maybe a show like The Chosen or you've watched The Passion and you didn't take any issue with it. But at this time, some people did take issues with that. Others, though, criticized this drama because Sayers chose to write and use this drama, uh, like write the drama in a colloquial kind of English, very common everyday English. Although it was poetic, the clunkier and formal English that was found in the King James Bible at the time meant that the emotion, the motivation, the humanity that was always present in the Gospels was lost in translation when people would read it. And she wanted to bring people back to the story to reintroduce them to the story of Jesus. She thought to make that good news accessible. But some saw that, again, as a lack of reference. And so it was initially controversial, but in the end became very popular, and many people heard it and really enjoyed it. In a way, that's what God does at Christmas. God makes himself accessible in the birth of Jesus. Jesus is literally God with skin on. Jesus reveals what God is like. Danielle Strickland, she, she says it like, God is always revealing who he is through the person of Jesus. It's the best way to know what he is like. You want to know what God is like? Look to the person of Jesus. And what do we learn in the person of Jesus? What do we learn in the birth of Jesus? That God wasn't content to actually stay on the sidelines of the story that he has been writing. God wrote himself into the story and entered in through Jesus. And that's what the gospel writer means when he tells us in his gospel that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The invisible God became visible. The infinite and measurable one became small on Christmas Day. The potter became clay. The artist painted himself into the painting. The defender of the weak became weak and dependent. The creator became creature. The author of life wrote himself into the story. 
What story? Well, it's the story of God and humanity, of divinity and humanity united. Humanity dwelling on earth, not in brokenness, but in wholeness united to God. This has always been his plan. God the Father created the cosmos, and he created humanity as image bearers, his image bearers. They were meant to enjoy his love and reflect his love, to be filled with his life, to be filled with the knowledge of his purpose for them and his ways. And that's what image bearing is about, reflecting God, what God is like to the world. God wanted us to partner with him in bringing about his goodness, his truth, and beauty into the world. And at some point, humanity rejected this vision. And the one who'd created them for his own story, they rejected him and said, we want our own story. We want a story without reference to you, a story absent from you. And this absent from God and humanity found themselves enslaved to sin. And these patterns of brokenness and death, absent from God rather than reflecting God, more often than not, we end up reflecting brokenness and selfishness and emptiness. This great story is a story of God's commitment, though, to rescue and renew us through Jesus. And that's what he does at Christmas. That's part of why we rejoice, that God's become one of us and come to us and lives like us, perfectly loving the Father, though, and loving others the way we were intended. And he would die for us to set us free from our sin and to restore us to wholeness, to enable us to actually re-image him to the world. And that's why the angels say to the shepherds when they come, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Today, a Savior is born. The Savior, Jesus, has come to set you and I free. He has come to bring us good news, to set us free from our defining illness as humans, sin. The Savior, Jesus, has come to reclaim us as people created for a purpose to image his love to the world. The Savior Jesus has come to heal our deep inflicted wounds and, wound, and the wounds we've inflicted on others. He's come to heal this broken relationship with God, others, and ourselves. And that's the story of a Savior born for you and I. It's the story of a Savior who writes himself into the story. And he, what he does on the first Christmas is he writes this, these shepherds into the story. Shepherds were not popular in the first century. They weren't very, very well liked. People didn't want to be with them. They were outsiders. They didn't live up to the moral or religious standards of the day. They, if you wanted to make very little money, the least possible, then you would go into shepherding. They weren't always considered safe people to be around. They were very much on the low end of the social ladder. They weren't wealthy, they weren't popular, and they weren't welcome. And yet God welcomes them into the story. God welcomes them first into the story. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior is born. He's the Messiah, the Lord, and you'll find him lying in a manger. God comes to them. They don't come to God. Where are the shepherds? They're not in a temple. They're not worshiping. They're out in a field tending to their sheep in the middle of the night. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be holy or blameless to know God because God first comes to you. He already knows what you and I face. He knows our pain, failure, disappointment, grief, and he comes to us. That's the beauty of the good news of Jesus. It's news of what God has actually done for you and I. And following Jesus always starts like that. It always comes from this place of receiving unmerited favor, grace. Who are the shepherds? They're not people of power, of influence, or prestige. They are 
the first century version of the lowest people on the social ladder, and God comes to them first. See, the, God, the heart of the gospel, the heart of God is that he always goes and has a heart for the lowly, the marginalized, the forgotten, the downtrodden. His heart is especially great for them. They're the first to receive the message, not the least. They're not the last. They're the first. And who are the shepherds? They're not proud people. They're humble people. They recognize their need for a Savior, which is why they run to go find the Messiah who's been born. They run to go find this good news that they've been told about. They're not too proud to think their lives are all together, that they're sinless. They don't play the comparison game. They run to find out where he is. God writes the shepherds into his story by pointing them to his son, Jesus. And I want to suggest that this Christmas, that's part of God's desire for you and I. That he wants to write you into his story. That he wants you to see that through Jesus he actually has. And he wants you to see his son born for you, for you. The shepherds hear this news and they say, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. The invitation this Christmas is to go and see him, to come to him, to see that he has come for you, that he was born for you. So what is it that you need him to set you free from? Shame, sin, anger, bitterness, obsession over something? Go to him and ask him to set you free. Where, do you need, uh, where have you failed to reflect his character to others? You need his love. Ask him for, your, for his love. Where are you needing healing from wounds in your life? Go to him and ask him to be the healer. See, we believe that Jesus is among his people, among us, that wherever his people are gathered, he is present among them, and he meets them. He's not far from us, but he has come. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And so what I want to do for a moment is give us a semblance of quiet, not quite quiet. You know why. We have some guests with us today. And um, I want us just to come before the Lord and, and bring whatever it is we have brought in with us and say, Lord, you're the God who is with us. You're the one who writes me into the story. Would you be my healer? Would you be the one who sets me free in this area? Would you help me reflect your characters? Why don't we just take a, some t- time before God to do that? Father, we come. In the name of Jesus, we come. We believe you are here with us. We thank you for kids and their voices and how precious they are. And we thank you for Jesus, the greatest gift we could ever receive. And we believe he is the one who's come to set us free. He is the one who has come to heal And he is the one who has come to enable us to reflect your image to the world once again. So now, Lord, we want to bring whatever it is we've been struggling with this week, even this morning, and ask for you to meet us there, to write a new story in that place. You alone are the one who holds the pen of our lives. And you alone are the one that we want to trust with holding that pen. Because you write far better stories than we could. So we thank you for the gift of Christmas, of God coming to us and becoming one of us and suffering for us. 
dying for us and rising from the dead for us and now interceding for us. In his name we pray, amen. Every Christmas we 